Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bobber You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Go Home, Bobby, You're Drunk, the podcast where us uh, ex-evangelical folk gather around the Bible and uh, try to figure out why did we read this so much and what made this good? My name is Justin. I was a pastor for about 14-ish years or so, and uh, now I am not that. Uh, I was also a super Christian for most of my life, and uh, again, not that I'm joined with, from across the country, my delightful co-host. Yeah. Hey, I'm Tori. I love the term super Christian. I don't know that I've ever really heard that used before, but I feel like that very, very much applies. Like we were, we were more Christian than all of the Christians at church. So that was my entire childhood. And my childhood was about like waiting for the rapture and reading the Bible, not about getting an education. Mm -hmm. I'm getting some real Kimmy Schmidt vibes here oh you know what i have started telling people that it was like i was basically raised in a bunker because they don't understand like what my childhood was like unless i say that i had a colleague who we had this kind of exchange because she's known me for like i don't know like 15 years or something and so at some point i was like telling a story about my childhood and michaela goes like oh i didn't you said that your parents were like super religious. Like, I didn't know what you meant by that fully. Like, <laughs> nice. No, you did not. <laughs> Wouldn't we say super religious? Like, okay, so Y2K, let's start there. Yeah. My, so my, during Y2K, my, my church youth group was going to have a New Year's party, but there were Slash, so many. Everybody's going to heaven. Well, there were so many complaints about like, what if the world ends? So our youth pastor was like, well, let's, we're going to start the new year's party at 1201. So like that way y'all can be, you all can be at your homes for the Y2K. And if the world doesn't end, we'll go have a party, which was, you know, why why we, anyway. So I was at my grandpa's house because he was the closest to the church for Uh. that new year's. And my grandpa was, is tries to be a little trickster. And so he like went to the bathroom and at midnight, he like tripped the breakers on the house. God damn. So your grandpa was not worried. <laughs> Apparently not. Grandpa was like, this is, this is my moment. Yeah. He's like, this is, this is, this is the prank. This is the setup is too good for me to not turn the power off in the house. That's fucking hilarious. At midnight. So yeah, that was my, that's my Y2K story. 
I, half the people listening to this podcast probably were not born. Have no idea what we were talking about. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Google it. Google Y2K. It was a wild time to be alive. It was. You know what? I, you know, what just occurred to me is Y2K was like the, it was like the rapture predictions. Mm hmm. But for everybody, yeah, like for the whole world, like the rapture is going to happen any minute. The world is going to end. Jesus is going to come back. All these people are going to be like taken to heaven, apparently completely naked because there are no clothes in heaven or something. Mm-hmm. And the angels will neatly of, fold them. Now that I think about it, heaven might be a fucking orgy with like a terrible soundtrack. You know, I could block that out. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm my my opinions on heaven vacillate wildly depending on the week depends on the type of heaven we're talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i'm like if everybody's naked like maybe that one maybe that one suck it's like a really weird would you rather would you rather have a clothed heaven with good music or <laughs> a naked a heaven with bad music that was not that was never an option <laughs> <laughs> also like jesus was kind of clear that you don't get to fucking heaven so i'm gonna go to hell thank you he so said much. that there would be none given in marriage <laughs> Oh. Didn't say anything about <laughs> look at this there's this there's great. no marriage and no gender in heaven like i don't think evangelicals want to go <laughs> like that's there's that no is a hellscape to them there's no marriage there's no gender there's no pregnancy there's no slaves <laughs> like oh my god like it's just slaver free jewish gentile male female like <laughs> nobody is getting pregnant yeah there are no stis yeah they will fucking hate it they will you should not go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So well, that was that was I loved that. So hell yeah. So speaking of uh, no male or female, we're so good at this. We, we you know we are we are legitimately transitions. We're good. So speaking of male or female, uh, Tori and I we wanted to talk a little bit about because this has been in the discourse, and it's it's kind of generally in the discourse all the time. But uh, this this idea of gender reveal parties and just kind of like gender in general, but like gender reveal parties. And it's, it's always there's always uh, some video going around of like some, you know, body catching a forest on fire or, you know, a dad, you know, real, you know, seeing he's going to have a daughter and getting all mad about it or over elated that he has a son. Like, I think we've probably seen the videos going around where like, the, you know, the mom and the daughter are there and like, you know, they find out they're going to have a boy and the dad's like, yeah, finally, I have a child worthy of my name, you know, or something crazy like that. Oh, and yeah. it's like, uh-huh. they're both cringy. And I don't even know the history of these things, like when they popped up. I, I don't I don't think I ever went to one. Yeah, no, I think I kind of wish, missed that window. I had kids before that really became a thing. I don't know if it's maybe a Pinterest thing. You know, kind mm-hmm. of just coincided mm-hmm. with the whole, you know, artsy Pinterest thing. Pinterest culture. Yeah. <laughs> That's real. Like, I, I look back at, like, when I see wedding photos of, like, my wedding. I was like, this was a pre-Pinterest wedding. Like, we did really good for a pre-Pinterest wedding. But there just weren't enough mason jars, apparently. So, I'm not against the gender reveal generally. In the sense of, like, we're all going to have a party. It's going to be basically a baby shower. And we're going to find out together as a group whether or not we're having a boy or girl in the sense that we're having a penis child or evolve a child. Right. Um, I'm not against that in concept, really. It's more the like 
all the stuff that gets put on top of it that I think turns this, I think, relatively innocent idea into something weird. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I think that like gender is really fraught right now anyway. And so I think we're kind of at this moment where if people are having parties, it would it would primarily be the people who think gender and sex are the same. (laughs) And yeah, like I think that making I think that making a huge deal of gender is where we went wrong to begin with, (laughs) which is not which is not in any way to say that, like gender isn't real because it very clearly is like if you didn't believe your cis kids like you should absolutely believe trans people like gender is a real thing I personally don't understand that at all like gender has never made sense to me I'm like I have always had the sense of humor of a 12 year old boy and I have always like done as much gender mixing and blending and like referring to myself like in masculine terms like since I was a child just because I thought it was cool and like rebellious I didn't realize that like oh hey it's a thing to be like trans or non-binary or whatever yeah like you get like the the tendency is there for a reason Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the thing to me that's concerning is like less about the gender reveal part of it although that is concerning in the sense that like we're that's it's just reinforcing toxic masculinity in a lot of weird ways and like I I think that that is that's a bad thing but I just I don't think that like gender is the hugest deal and like we both we both have kids you know I have two boys and you have three kids and it it, like it's it's come up right Mm -hmm. kids start asking about this stuff really really young and you know I had always before gender was really part of the discourse, I suppose, like I had always kind of been like, okay, you know, while I'm in evangelicals, I'm like, I'm not going to make a big deal about this. Right. Like, I'm not going to make a stink if my kid like is a boy and wants to wear headbands and tutus, like whatever, whatever, like this does not matter. But again, this is, I think that, I think it's my coding and my complete like disassociation from gender as a construct <laughs> that kind of like led me down this path. You know, I, I found out what I was having, quote unquote, with both of my kids and, you know, so far they both still identify as boys. And given that they're almost 10 and seven years old, that is kind of unlike, like kind of unlikely to change at this point because they're in an environment where they can be fully themselves. Like they're not, (laughs) they're not being beaten into their gender. (laughs) Yeah. I have two, two girls and a boy. We did have gender reveals. You think? I think. Uh, that's like. <laughs> Sorry. Like that's what they've told you so far. That's, that's what they've told the me so far. Like that's have to go on. That's the thing. Like I, at a certain point, you just have to make assumptions and go with them. Like you know, you you are a vulva child. I will lean into that until you tell me not to. Mm-hmm. And so far, they've been fine with it, and and they understand. You know, trans trans much much earlier than I ever did. They understand Truly. that trans people exist and they deserve the right to express themselves however they wish, non-binary people, whatever. Yeah, but when we did a gender reveal, we didn't do the weird, like the couple doesn't know and they like shoot a balloon and it explodes with confetti, you know, like, at, like, <laughs> or they like shoot off a firework and blow up a forest. Like it was like, we already knew and we like made a cake with like pink oh, or blue. Cute inside and like white frosting on the outside 
And and we even said if it was indeterminate from the ultrasound, we would like make a yellow cake and laugh at everybody. Like, huh. That's rad. Like, you don't know. That's awesome. So, but it's also like, at least from my perspective, it's like, this is just a fancy, fun baby shower. And if they decide to be different than the assumptions that we made, like we'll have another one or not, depending on what they want. I think they're fine. It just, it's more just, yeah, the cultural pressure starting at that early of like before you're born, before you're born, this is a boy. You need to begin to act like, yeah, you have to act like your gender before you're born. It's like, oh, he's like kicking a lot and like bouncing off the walls and like beating me up. It's, it's it's a fetus, like calm down. (laughs) So my wife and I were talking like, because we're we're pretty, you know, loose in our gender norms and with our kids, but we're also a little bit not frustrated, but we're like, our boy is a lot like what people talk about a boy being. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. You know, like like yeah. our, our first two did not climb on stuff as much at all, did not care. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, whatever. But our 16 month old son is a better climber, I think, than both of them. And that's just who that's who they are, you know. So like I I don't think that, you know, our assumptions about gender, I don't think they're completely baseless, but I also think that there's so much weight put on them and so much like pressure to conform for everyone that, you know, I mean, my son could end up being the most boy that ever boyed and good for you. Like that is one expression, but I also am like, I want him to also be free to be sensitive and sweet and as I think boys should be allowed to be, we're given the freedom to be. So it, it's it's such a strange thing, yeah. And that you know, the video that was going around about the guy that was like all pissed off about having another girl. Why are you putting so much expectations on the gender expression of your child? That that makes me so mad. If I had three girls, that'd be rad. Like it's not like I don't know. Just, that kind of stuff really frustrates me. The the anger and the. Or the, especially it's, it's men. It's mostly men. I'm pretty sure women are just happy to have healthy kids generally, maybe. Generally. Yeah. Um, That could be an assumption on my part, but it's usually dudes that are like, gotta have me a boy. I'm like, like, we don't live in a time where like having a boy is like, that's your heir. Your kid, all your kids are going to get your stuff. Or your, yeah. Like your kids are going to get your stuff pretty equally. Probably. This isn't like, you know, I'm a family name. Like you're your daughters might retain their name. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. This is such a, I, there's, I feel like there's so many old concepts that are just like, I don't know, we're like on cultural inertia or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really funny that you mentioned that your girls were very like girly as like, like as toddlers essentially, because neither of my boys climbed on anything ever. Like the stairs are scary for them. <laughs> And, you know, my youngest is definitely more like rambunctious, I suppose, you know, and that that has been true since before he was born. Basically, I'm like, I found it very funny. I wasn't even 14 weeks yet. And I could like feel this little goldfish flopping around hysterically (laughs) in the middle of the night. Like you have, you have existed for 11 weeks, sir. <laughs> Calm what down. are you doing? <laughs> it's not that exciting. Yeah. And you, I, I, I think that both of my kids, you know, both of my kids have, have 
because kids ask about this stuff and and we live in a gender coded society where there are two genders right and so it's like by the time your kid is three and going to preschool like they're seeing boys and girls restrooms this isn't necessarily it's not it's not like something you can just delay until they're in junior high or whatever like your kid choosing a gender like that kids know really really young what their gender is and um the overwhelming majority of the time it tends to correlate with their parts whatever that means like the assignment that we've given <laughs> different parts and different genders right and i think that that's true kind of across the board right like you can't look at a brain and go like oh this is a male brain or this is a female brain people who look at brain scans all day long cannot look at a brain and go oh this is the gender of that person <laughs> you can't you can't do it and, and these are these are professionals these are people who do do this for a living so I do think that it, you know, I think we put way too much emphasis on like what it means to be a boy or a girl, but you know, with my kids, I, as they have asked these questions, I'm like, some people I've always said, like, again, since like, even while I was still in the church, I have always said like, some people are boys, some people are girls, some people are neither. Some people are both. Like we just have to respect everybody. And when gendered stuff would come up, like I remember very specifically, there was, <laughs> there was this instance when we were in Target and like walking down the like hair, whatever aisle. And my oldest was wanted a headband. And so I was like, sure, whatever, it's 99 cents. <laughs> so like, he's like snags his headband and he like puts it on his head and it's got like, still got the tag on it and whatever. And he's like, are headbands for girls? I'm like, headbands are for people with heads. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I was like, it's not, that's not how this works. Do you have a head? You may wear a headband. <laughs> um, and so that's really how I've always approached it. And, you know, if, if my kid at some point is like, I've just felt really pressured to perform masculinity and like, that actually is not who I am, then that's fine. I think that like, as soon as your kid can tell you what they are, like, you should just go with that and like, not try to make it a thing. Cause yeah, it's, it's like, you're, you're actually not respecting your child's chosen gender. If you choose to like, pretend like your child is non-binary when they have told you what they are. So if they can't talk, it's kind of your call. <laughs> Once they can talk, you have to respect them. Yeah. And both of our, my girls were very much like we're girls. Like they're very loud and clear about that. But at the same time, even like gender expression, like, you know, my oldest, she's like, I don't want to wash my hair. I don't care how I look. I'm, <laughs> you know, some days, like I want to shave the side of my head. I'm a witch, you know, whatever, you know, but she's also in dance and can be incredibly feminine and, and express that. And like, not in, in a way that is a pressure or anything. Like she just wants to be that. So it's like, she can express herself in multiple different ways, depending on the day. And I feel no need to, you know, like just this week, I'm thinking about the things she wore to school this week. And it was like, you know, a very boyish, quote unquote, t-shirt and jeans one day, very feminine, like romper kind of thing the next day. Like, and that's, that, that's okay. Like, I don't like, why would I, that's like how she's feeling on that given day. It's how rushed she is and whatever, you know, and it's like, to me, this is basic and normal, but it is, it's strange that we live in a society that would be like, nope, you got to dress like a boy or dress like a girl. Like, you know, the, the 
I don't know anything about the pressures of, you know, for young girls to, you know, wear makeup and be feminine. Like I'm, it's much more extreme than boys for sure, but I don't want to put my pressure on my kid to do that. But I'm also, if she wants to be super femmy and wear makeup all the time, I'm not going to say she's not a feminist or something. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And it were an interesting time and I can appreciate being on a, a bit of the bleeding edge of that, at least into just to raise kids. But I, I would hope by the time my kid's a teenager, it's perfectly normal for people to. Totally. Like just my own experience, like I present as incredibly femme, like nobody is having a question of like, oh, like what is she or, you know, like, and it's like, that's my choice. And it has nothing to do with gender because I don't like gender as a construct makes absolutely no sense to me. So I really am like, I feel like I'm very close to whatever like 50, 50 is like brain wise. And I have, but I've, I've felt like that since I was a little kid and I don't, I like, I don't hate dresses. Dresses are great in the summer. I will, I refuse to have bare legs in the winter. Cause like, fuck that shit. But, but like, I'm like also, okay. Like I love to go hiking. I love to go camping. Like I love to go shooting honestly. And that requires not dresses. <laughs> so <laughs> I, and I'm, you know, I'm fine with that. And I, I mean, I like my, my style, I guess, is I'm like, I like being cute and whatever that happens to look like is works for me. You know, I like wearing makeup and like, okay, well you're performing womanhood. Like, I don't, I just, I just don't care. Like, I'm sorry, whatever your opinion is of me and my gender expression, like, cool. You have that. I don't care. Doesn't affect me. <laughs> so um, we're all performing. We're whatever, all performing gender. Whatever hood we. But also, it's innate and binary. Cannot change. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's the same as sex, but you must perform it properly. Otherwise, you are not a real it. Yeah, I mean, this conversation kind of went a different direction than what I thought it would, and that's that's good. But I was. Yeah, I mean, I remember being as a kid, like having my gender expression policed quite a bit. Yeah, for boys, it's like this really kind of self-enforcing. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have. Um, I was reading something the other day that said like boys start having their gender kind of forcibly pushed upon yeah. them earlier than girls. Way do, earlier than typically. girls do. Because it's, you know, around like five, that's when it's like, boys don't cry. And or boys, boys are like this, boys are like that, you know, I mean, I mean, girls get it too, but it's typically a little bit later. And it's like almost a regard out of the gate, you know, there's this kind of masculine, like kind of forcing you into this mold. Yeah. And there, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of pain, you know, I, I, I will be, you know, I'll say patriarchy mm-hmm. is, is hell for women, for sure. But it is also hell for men in a very different way. And if you want to have a gender reveal for your kid, go for it. But I like, I want us to try to retain a lightness around it to let people be human. Cause there are, you know, no one is a hundred percent man, a hundred percent woman, you know, whatever, whatever that person looks like it's that probably don't exist. It's Samson. It's Samson. Samson is a hundred percent man. I don't know who the hundred percent woman is. Nobody wants to be that. Yeah. No, nobody, yeah. nobody no should be a 100% wants, man. No, you don't, you, you, you know, like we got to balance energies out yin and yang, truly, you know, truly. Is, don't be that guy. Like <laughs> if you are the human embodiment of a dick, that's not good. That's bad. <laughs> that's bad for everybody. It's not just bad for you, it's bad for everybody who has to put up with you. So any closing thoughts on this? 
Mm. Gender reveal. Kids are people. Yes. Wow. That's my that's my closing thought. Yeah. Listen to your kids. Uh-huh. And listen to these ads. Yes. Mm. Sure. Right. I get I mean we're gonna take yeah. a quick we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back. Hey everybody, we're back. Thanks for putting up with capitalism. Something we sort of have to do these days. Well, we don't we actually, it doesn't have to be this way, as Andre Henry likes to say. Yes, but it is this way at the moment. But it is this way at the moment. But I think that, you know, we decided to like start a podcast. So we're gonna get a little bit anti-capitalist here in a moment. Just a bit. Well, I should say that Jesus is gonna get a little anti-capitalist. Mm, it's not even us. And guys. like good followers of Jesus, we will also be anti-capitalist. That's how I feel. Love it. I'm here for this. So what should we talking about? Well, I think we're, we're going to talk about a parable of Jesus. And it's going to be the rich man and Lazarus. Not to be confused with the Lazarus that Jesus rose from the dead. This Lazarus also died. This Lazarus did die. Not because so, Jesus was slacking this yeah. particular time. <laughs> yeah, not because Jesus was was a, a lazy socialist, according to. <laughs> uh, yeah, but this is like you know he's this is kind of in the middle of his teaching on like anti-Pharisee, anti-capitalist stuff, but it's also a weird parable. I think that's why we picked it. It's not. It's, it's not legitimately like, weird. Yes. Yeah, it's just legitimately weird. I mean, Jesus, like Jesus telling a parable about a shepherd going out and finding sheep, like those are like, oh, that makes a certain amount of sense. This one is kind of weird. So we wanted to talk about it. And and I think, you know, for a drinking game, anytime that, you know, Jesus gets a little anti-capitalist, you know, go ahead and give yourself a little drink, comrade. I'm into it. Yeah. Okay. So before we like jump into this, I have a question because growing up, the parables of Jesus, like that we were taught in church were the same as like, we're, we're the same as like Jesus life and teaching essentially. Like it was considered like on the same level. And, you know, that was like how my parents sort of took this theology was like, this is a thing that actually happened. It's like, well, no, it's a parable. It's like, well, yeah, it's a parable, but also it's like, we have to take it as seriously and literally as we take the rest of it but i feel like since like i don't know you went to bible college for longer than i did like is that like how is that how we're doing this like i don't i don't understand like yeah parables are weird i mean i have known christians not educated ones in like seminary but i've known christians that believed that all the parables were true stories because jesus could not have told a lie which is lies and stories are the same like apparently like <laughs> so there's that extreme i think most christians evangelicals would be like you know these parables are stories that tell a point and you know the the main thing to get is the point mm, i like but, that but that also like kind of makes the parables into like aesop's fables a little bit and but what happens is like it, there's this weird like interpretive mishmash because like okay a parable i'm supposed to get the point of the parable but then we'll they will do the same thing with like a story in the bible because every story has to have a point it has to make sense so to speak and as we've discovered over the last almost year together not every i would say most stories in the bible 
have at least part or all that makes no sense. Or it makes more sense if you don't try to make it make sense. And so, and so that that's the weird place the parables end up being. Like, you know, this is definitely a story that was a story used as a teaching device. So, you know, Jesus or, or, you know, depending on your interpretation, whoever wrote this down saying it was Jesus, you know, had a point mm-hmm. when they wrote mm-hmm. this down. You know, it's not like, you know, recording history necessarily, you know, in like Chronicles or Kings where history might not have a point. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes shit just happens. Could have just been a string of weird things that happen. Uh, Whereas a parable is like, there there is supposed to be something you get out of this. I think that's, they're a little more on the nose that way, I think. Oh, okay. And and this, this, like the Richmond and Lazarus is an interesting, like, where it's at it's in luke it's only told in luke uh luke is the most anti-capitalist of the gospels i think honestly i don't know that we would think of jesus as loving poor people as much as we think of him without without luke most of the like jesus loves poor people (laughs) type things uh come from luke um i don't know if that's like luke overcorrecting (laughs) or something i don't who knows you know, Luke, quote unquote, with an asterisk. But yeah, that's that's it's it's an it's an interesting thing that he only includes. I in I we're not going to go over this one. I do want to go over this one at some point. Um, it's in Luke sixteen. The it's because it's right. So there's this parable of this clever steward or this like shrewd manager. Sometimes this calls it. It's basically this guy that lies and cheats and steals to get out of trouble, and like Jesus is like. He was shrewd. <laughs> like that's the point. I, I love it. Like, like cool. Like, I guess. Okay. I suppose. So it's maybe a little pro-capitalism, but then it talks about like not serving two masters, you know, and you know, not loving money. So I think almost like the, the the shrewd manager was the wasting his master's money for good use. So do that. I don't know. And then he makes fun of the Pharisees for a little bit. And then he gets to this rich man and Lazarus and yeah, I can just kind of, I'll go through the story. So there's this rich man who's dressed in purple and fine linen who feasted. My translation has the word sumptuously, which I love that word sumptuously every day, which a lot of scholars would say that he is directly referring to Caiaphas, like the head. Oh, high priest or whatever. Yeah. So like really putting it, I am making fun of this person. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the, I'm making fun of the high priest. So just because that's the, the kind of things that he would have wore. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, which it, it's weird that he names him. Like that. I think yeah, that's, that is weird. Like, why is this poor man named? Most of the people in parables aren't named. And named after your friend that you forgot last <laughs> <Yeah>. week. <laughs> Yeah, like he's like fishing for a random name, like, uh, <laughs> like uh, uh, Lazarus. Lazarus. Right? Like almost like, oh, we obviously know who this rich man is. Like, I don't know if someone from the crowd was like, who what was the poor man's name? Uh, <laughs> Lazarus. Lazarus is his name. And he describes him like super grossly, like covered in sores. Like, like he longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Which, God, that's a metaphor. Yeah. And, you know, the dogs came and licked his sores, like, you know, very clearly opening up with like, there is this insanely rich person and there is this insanely poor person. 
what's going to happen? So now the poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side or bosom as it is called. I mean, same, same. They were smuggling. It's fine. Which, I mean, I I don't want to go too much into like Abraham's bosom, but like (laughs) Jesus is cribbing from like ancient Near Eastern folklore and Jewish folklore. And I don't know. It's like this parable doesn't make a lot of sense in Christian context because you need a lot of other, you need a lot of side knowledge. This is sort of what happens when you co-opt an entire religion. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like Jesus, who was this definitely is... a Jew, and there are there are Jewish people that will argue whether or not he was a good Jew or not a great Jew, but it, he was definitely a Jewish man. And then, you know, when 2,000 years later, white Americans are like trying to figure See, him out. Jesus didn't like the Jews. He was very clear. <laughs> like... Well, honey, you know how like you tell everybody not to make everything political. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Like on this podcast, let's just say for a second, let's imagine for a second that this podcast is listened to 2000 years from now. Wouldn't that, I mean, I, I don't know how oh, I boy. feel about that, but let's just say That's, it is. Whew, okay. And like we make fun of America, like in like, but their assumption was the, like, oh, clearly they weren't Americans because they make fun of America. That's. That is a stupid thing to assume. <laughs> Would you not agree, Tori? That is, uh, yeah, there, there is, it's, that's not, that's not really, in terms of logic, like that doesn't really hold up. Honestly, it reveals a lot about your biases when you're yeah, like, that's a good point. it's impossible to make fun of a thing that you are a part of or impossible to critique a thing that you're a part of. So Jesus was not a Jew because he critiqued Judaism. Jesus was the first Christian. Like he literally wasn't. No, he was not. He was not. <laughs> no. And if he was, he wasn't for long. Like five minutes max. Yeah. Five minutes. Stops. I've been a Christian longer than Jesus. Anyway, or I don't even know where I was. So right now, I guess we'll just pause. Like from this premise right now, Tori, anything coming up for you? How was this premise given to you as you were an evangelical? Man, I like, okay. So I think that this is a really good question because I grew up very kind of strongly associated with like prosperity gospel stuff. So stories like this absolutely got taught. And then there was no application. It was like this story got taught several times. Nobody ever said, I mean, or people would just, people would say like, Jesus is like critiquing the rich and then they just move on. Right. Like that, that part has no application to 2022. (laughs) Um, Oh um, yeah. You know, and then it's like, well, this is, this is a parable It's basically like, this is a parable about hell and, and this rich man, like he didn't, he didn't go to hell because he was rich. Like he was just a bad person. He went to hell because he wasn't, you know, generous with his riches. He hadn't repented enough. It's like rich people can get into heaven if they, you know. If they like, I don't know, something, 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 something. It's very, it's very weird and convoluted. We'll have to talk about like the whole eye of the needle thing at some point. But yeah, there was no, this is, this is one of those stories where there was never any practical application like whatsoever. Yeah. If there was, it was almost always about evangelism, which we kind of get to at the end. Yes. Yeah. It's about like, you know, you don't know when you're going to die. So you better get good with God now. And start hassling your family members, yeah, like hassle, harassing them. Yeah, hassling them. Yeah. So because they're not gonna let you back. Nope, they won't. So yeah, so the rich man also dies. He's buried 
So the, the poor man goes to Abraham's side. Sounds like a great time. Well, I mean, compared to what he was going through, yes. I suppose so. If I was a poor man with sores, uh, Abraham snuggling up next to Abraham. Sounds pretty good. Doesn't uh, suck. No. Actually, I remember as a kid, like thinking that Abraham must have been like a giant with all these people like living <laughs> underneath him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so the rich man died and he is he's put in Hades. So you should unpack this. Yeah. Dr. Mr. Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I think, honestly, it's, it's uh, to me, it's like it's another one of those like the Gospels were not were written to communicate stories, not truth, because like probably Jesus, as someone who spoke Aramaic, was probably talking about like the realm of the dead or Sheol or something. But this was written in Greek and the best Greek term they had for realm of the dead was Hades. So it's, it's not accurate, but it it's the term they had. So he was in torment and he looked up and saw Abraham far off with Lazarus at his side. And he only he like calls out. He's like, hey, um, daddy, daddy, Abraham, really a tease that I can see paradise from where I'm at. Can you send? Yeah. And this is the thing that like, like, you know, this like rich man has not like learned a thing. Anything. Uh-huh. And he's like, hey, Abraham, fellow rich person, can you send Lazarus to uh, get me some water to, to like put water on my tongue with his finger because I'm in anguish? Like. You didn't learn it. You you were the same person. Yes. <laughs> Fetch me some water. You so, poor. Yeah, you poor. Um, <laughs> clearly, this is a mistake, you know, and then, and then Abraham's just like, you know, a very typical Abraham move. Like, you know, I would, but uh, my hands are tied. <laughs> That's Abraham's brand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm real sorry. Kind of busy kind of busy there's there's a valley can't i can't do it sorry so you know and then he's like you know the rich man's like hey you know send lazarus back to my father's house you know i've got these brothers to warn them to don't come not come to this place of torment and and and, you know and then this to me was where it kind of lands like you know he's like well you know they have moses and the prophets you know they've they've got all the teachings that they need They've been told. They've been told like, no, 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 Abraham. They'll only, they're only going to listen if, you know, a dead man raises, someone raises from the dead, then they'll repent, you know? And then, you know, Abraham gets all sassy with him. He's like, they won't, if they don't respond to Moses and prophets, they'll not be convinced if someone raises from the dead, which is funny. Jesus saying that when like Jesus whole shtick is being raised from the dead (laughs) and he's basically saying that gimmick doesn't work. Which, you know, lots of unpack, lots to unpack here. Yes, yes, truly, truly. I th- I mean, oh my gosh, that I, I it's it's so interesting because it's like, well, my family deserves to not be here, right? Like this is like the rich man's attitude. He's like, they deserve to have someone go directly to them from from here, wherever here is, to tell them, like, don't come here. It's just, it's again, it's like you pointed out with the first part, he he's learned nothing during this whole, whatever, however long he's been in torment like in, in, in sitting in like fire and smoke and like smoldering ashes, watching the man that he walked past every single day, like no longer suffering, but yeah, like the amount of the amount of entitlement is just wild send that send that poor dude over here like 
send that dude, send somebody out to like, get, tell my family, like we just, we have a right to these things and like, not going to question it. Not going to have any self-reflection. No, none at all. And, and, and even that like Jesus describes a probably person that could have been within earshot of this parable, (laughs) you know, and, and an incredibly poor person, like it, like I was wonder, like if he's like pointing at Caiaphas and then pointing at a poor person named Lazarus, be like this this person goes to heaven, but the rich person does not. You know, and and you know this is those the anti capitalist themes that pop up. You know, like even like Mary in Luke is like singing that song that's like you've turned the rich away. You know, there's a lot of again, like we were never taught this in evangelicalism, like the economic sentiment of Jesus' time similar to our time honestly and that you know the rich are getting richer yeah the religious are getting richer as well and the poor and even the like the not so poor are still feeling really poor right now and what are you going to do about it and jesus consistently and clearly mocks the wealthy <laughs> they are the butt of his jokes many times over and over again and you know, I still don't get it. Obviously, he rose from the dead and they still didn't get it. Har har. Har har. <laughs> you know, suppose allegedly. Allegedly rose from the dead. Allegedly rose from the dead. Yeah. Even then, like, yeah, it just this sticks out to me that like, yeah, even if someone rose from the dead, they won't believe. Like, is that said with a wink? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know either. I'm going to, I'm going to rise from the dead, guys. That's a hint. <laughs> And nobody, nobody's going to believe me either. No one will believe me. <laughs> I'm not bitter. But you guys will, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This, this, this story was never, it was always just like, right, like you said, it was always about evangelism. And like this rich person was a bad person, but he wasn't a bad person. He was never described as a bad person for being rich. He was just described as being rich, like and, you know, I guess, you know, it does say that Lazarus longed to eat, you know, what fell from the rich man's table. But I don't know that that like that doesn't mean that he wasn't getting what fell from the rich man's table. It doesn't say like and the rich man gave him nothing. It was more like Lazarus positioned himself for that wealth to trickle on down and trickle it may have. Yeah, we don't I guess we don't really know. I mean, obviously, he was alive is a good enough gig that he was known to be there. I find this, I kind of glossed over it when I was just kind of summarizing, but like verse 25, you know, this is, this was Abraham's reasoning for why the rich man is in torment and the poor man is with him. He's like, you know, child, he calls him. Remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things and Lazarus, likewise, bad things. But now he is comforted here and you're in anguish. Why was this not talked about? Like, it's because of the persecution complex. I swear to God, that is what it is. I swear that is why we never talked about this. It's because we're being persecuted. Oh, yeah, we, we're, we're, we're the poor ones, I guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just, it, it like, it, it spells it out pretty clearly. And they somehow just like go right around it. Basically, it, it, is, it is saying wealthy people go to hell because they get a good life now. And poor people kind of like all dogs go to heaven, all poor people go to heaven, you know, because they had <laughs> shitty lives and they deserve better. But this is it's, it's glossed over so we can land it on, like, make sure you evangelize your 
Right. Continue to harass your family, despite the fact that they have asked you many times to stop. (laughs) (laughs) It's like consent doesn't matter. That is somehow the takeaway from this story. Yeah. Yeah. And Lazarus, Lazarus should have obeyed that rich man and gotten him that water. Oh my God. (laughs) I don't know. That was never said. No, it wasn't. That was never said. It doesn't feel like that much of a reach. No. Frankly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I think that like so many, so many of these parables are very interesting and like have all these layers to them, but I'm, I'm continually struck in retrospect by the way that they, my entire life, they skirted around this whole, like, yeah, Jesus wasn't really a fan of the rich because you know, it's like the, their theology is primarily, I I would say like Protestant work ethic. Mm -hmm. You're being a bad sinful person if you don't work hard right because i heard that all the goddamn time right it's like poor people are lazy or disobedient like disobeying god right and you have like this obligation to work really hard you don't get to complain about anything like the rich people sucking up like 40 percent of the entire economy yeah is fine like that's that's valid that's like that's proof that god's blessing them that's how that was portrayed right is it was like they worked hard and god blessed them yeah and it it, it's so wild because it it this like continues to spiral into other things like and Mm -hmm. we continue to talk about this obviously because it's in some ways therapeutic but also because culturally these stories continue to get embedded and they continue to like even people that aren't necessarily christians kind of repeat this kind of logic like i i don't want to get super into the topic of crypto right now but i this came it's just because i was reading about this earlier this week you know there there are a lot of crypto people that are like you got to get in early you know if y'all don't get in early like you slept on it it's your fault you know oh my god but in the lifetime of if what crypto will be the late adopters are probably maybe just now being born. They don't have an opportunity to get in early, you know, like, oh, well, your dad should have bought crypto for you, you know, or, or, or they turn 25. Well, you should have got in early. Like that kind of, I was a child. Yeah. We build our economic system on this, like penalizing people for quote unquote, not working hard enough or not getting in early enough or not having a good enough work that or whatever. Like I'm rich because I got in early, quote unquote. It's like, no, you're, you're a Winklevoss twin. You were born, right. <laughs> you know, like you didn't, you've not worked hard a day in your life. You were, you were born in. Yeah. You didn't um, have to get in. And so we have this, and again, we're going to get hate mail from crypto people, but it's like, I'm not, this is, a, this is just because it came up and I feel like it's a cultural story that this 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 particular Protestant work ethic is playing out in this particular story in the sense that like, you know, it is a punitive. You didn't get yours. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't start early enough. Now you have to suffer. We don't take into account the fact that like lots of people maybe never didn't have an opportunity to yeah. get in early or work hard or maybe what you call working hard is like sitting around and collecting dividends <laughs> and <laughs> other people like are legitimately like jeopardizing their health working you know 60 hours a week and getting pennies for it comparatively and and will not have a way out and and it's sad to me that 
I can look at the Bible from 2000 years ago and like that same shit was happening. But when I, I'm also, when I'm honest with myself, Jesus noticed that and other people did too. It wasn't like Jesus was the first person to notice right. that like four people were exploited. Empires um, are bad. Empires are not good. Um, <laughs> but he stands really like pretty clearly on the side of against the empire and for having a more compassionate understanding of the poor and having a more compassionate understanding of people's situation and when they were born and their time and their place. So why Christians haven't, I should say American evangelical conservative Christians right? just can't see it. Like, it, it, like even when they want to, like, I, cause I, though I've heard sermons preached about like how we can be the modern day Pharisees or whatever, which that's fraught. Yeah. Yeah. It can be fraught. Like, no, sweetie, you're the Romans. Yeah. You're Figure the Romans. This shit out. Yeah. But <laughs> like in the sense that like we are the religious elite and exploiting people with our position is the, on behalf of the Romans, on behalf of the Romans. Yes. <laughs> like you'll hear those sermons every now and then, you know, like I'll, I'll say we're the Romans. Like we'll hear the sermons every now and then out of the mouths of evangelicals and it's like people will nod then it just you fall right back asleep there's no application this is no application yeah there's no application it's more like this is the point we're kind of an empire maybe but so make sure you're witness to your friends yeah that person at work that has asked you four times to stop talking <laughs> you need to go back invite them to small group invite them because because they could end up in torment like the rich man and then they'll be wishing that you had said something to them <laughs> Because you're the poor man. <laughs> yeah, right. In this, in this scenario. Oh, I don't love this. Like, like I'm I just I just mean the framing of it. I yeah. it's like you guys. Yeah, there's like all there's all of these parallels that they I think sincerely don't get. And I know that I say this all of the time, but if you ask like white evangelical American Christians to repent of capitalism, they would think you were asking them to renounce their faith. Without exception, they would think you were asking them to become an atheist. Like they cannot separate the two. And I think that that is why they can't read these stories with any amount of like self-reflection at all. <laughs> because it's it's the same thing to them, right? Like capitalism and Christianity are are the same. Well, it, their assumption is that the Bible that everyone in the Bible was living under capitalism. But like that, that is the myth in a lot of ways that like capitalism has, is been the story the whole time. And like capitalism was invented relatively recently. The scale of human history, capitalism has been around for like a hot second and has not had a good reputation in that time. But Justin, it's the best we can do. No. <laughs> Five million people dying every year because they can't access capital is not a reflection on capitalism. It's a reflection on their lack of work ethic. Yeah, it's their lack of working. They didn't get in early enough. That's You know, that's so funny that it's like they do frame it that way, that like not having privilege is a sin. Yeah. Like, you you know, you, you're born in the wrong place. Sorry. It sucks for you that you're... You weren't born a white man. Yes, God, wow. you know, predestination. This is why white people are so into Calvinism. Yeah, <laughs> like, they, they they have a right to be there. Wealthy white Minnesotans are really into Calvin and, and 
and you know, like it's like that band like that northern kind of midwestern band is like very calvinist i feel like like michigan and the dutch whatever but yeah it's just that that reformed kind of ideology of like this is the this is the world as god has perfectly ordered it and you just didn't get it on the ground floor yeah and that uh, like 400 years ago <laughs> yes that and and it's like this like you said this is the world as god has perfectly ordered it and also we are going to continue to contribute to like climate change and inequality because that is what god wants from us is to use up the material resources that exist here that is how to be like a good steward or something it's it's very odd but like that's it's like no we have god god asked us like i don't know subdue the earth which means that if there are indigenous people who are having perfectly good lives but they're not doing enough to like extract i don't know resources from their land then like it's not actually theirs cuz they're not using it so that means that god gave it to us and it's it's again like the lack of self reflection like the lack of ability to kind of go back and 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 look at any amount of history be like, yeah, this is, I'm, if I'm making the same, if I'm making the exact same argument that like slavers and colonizers were making, like maybe I'm the bad guy. Yeah. Are we, are <laughs> we the baddies? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, these people are using these hills for food and game, but there's gold in these hills. There's gold. So we should take that. Right. It's, it's, it's ours clearly. And then pretend that we're the poor person for what's a having... little, what's a little genocide between neighbors. Yeah. Between neighbors. Oh and my God. I don't have to love my neighbor if they're not there anymore. I feel like that is, the, I feel like that is the, <laughs> the European Christian attitude. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we just kill all our neighbors. If I can't find my neighbor, yeah. I don't have to love him. <laughs> I've misplaced my neighbor. <laughs> Oh God. And we laugh to not cry. Yeah, truly. It's, I mean, it, it is legitimately nuts. That, yeah, this, this peasant who, again, I, Jesus technically wasn't an anti-capitalist because capitalism didn't exist, but he's certainly anti-exploitation and anti-oppression. Economic exploitation can happen outside of capitalism, surprise, surprise. But I, yeah, I, he's very much on the side of people that are not getting their fair share. And fair in the sense of like can live comfortably without fear and not everyone's a billionaire yeah and and yet it's been missed and so we want to pick that up and we want to throw it in the air and say like you know i'm not a fan of the way this passage gets used but actually like the idea that you know that that jesus would have the chutzpah to like (laughs) describe wealthy people in the room so to speak and like say like hey these people are in hell and this despised person is in heaven and you can't do shit about it. You had all the teaching you needed. You you like the lesson was laid out before you and you just failed to understand the assignment. And <laughs> now you're going to hell. Sorry. You're that, bad. That I feel should be preached in a mega church. You know, let's let's go to Hillsong <laughs> and talk about that. You know? Oh man. Right. It's like, but you mean, think, think about the fact that it's like, you need, you need to repent for having this building. Yeah. yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> like this is unacceptable. And it's, it's not that like having a bunch of Christians in the same room is like inherently bad, but it's like, this is what you're putting. This is what you're putting your resource. This is what you consider to be good stewardship is creating stuff for yourselves. Things that have economic value, creating things for yourselves that have economic value. <laughs> 
and then like when like we need a stadium for a natural disaster you say no we're busy we're busy it might cost too much money to air condition the place during the week like we just we can't afford the liability that's their favorite one heard that one so many times oh yeah because everybody is suing churches haven't you heard all of the zeros of churches that are being sued right now because they took care of a poor person they could be a fake poor person just out to get our money if they're really if they're really willing to do that like they clearly need something yeah and if you have that much money you can probably just settle out of court it's fine like like if, if you have that much i don't know um oh man yeah that that's a doozy so yeah so the rich man and lazarus anything else to add mm, don't be rich question mark yeah i i i will say this like there was an interview they had with jeff bezos and they're asking him about a blue origin or whatever his little space company is they asked him why he started it. I forget the exact quote, but it was essentially like, I didn't know what else to do with my money. Basically the like, yeah, like, like, <laughs> uh, not, I feel like your employees would like to have a word with you, sir. Yeah. Like you are, I don't know if he's actually technically still the wealthiest man in the world. It might, I don't know, he might've been. I think, I think, I think this week it's Elon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They're, they're dick waving over who's wealthiest and who has the biggest rocket ship shaped like a penis. Like, does do the metaphors get not more? It's, anyway, it's aerodynamic. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. A circumcised penis is not aerodynamic. <laughs> like, like, How do you uh, know? Have you ever flown one? <laughs> many, I've tried many times. But yeah, I'm like, you couldn't think of anything else to do with your money or to say to like when someone asks you that yeah it's not like oh we're trying to develop this technology because like mankind is going to need it someday so you can't even like bullshit you just are straight up like oh, i don't really know what to do with my money like i can appreciate that you're enough of a psychopath to be honest <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that that to me just like this is why we shouldn't have billionaires like that to me right there like exhibit ten thousand. like human beings are not capable of being responsible with that much money mm-hmm. or that much power and that's that's not even to say that jeff bezos is a bad man i'm just saying like that much money you can't use it wisely he's also building like this like 30 story like clock that'll like last for 10,000 years inside of a mountain, which, and, and that mountain is only what I can assume is his like secret clone bunker. That sounds very Mormon actually building, building things in the side inside of mountains that need to be kept for thousands of years. Anyway, like, and yeah, we could have a whole episode on Jeff Bezos, but like, it's just, it's fascinating to me that, yeah, there are people this wealthy that they just, they can't even begin to imagine and and I feel like that's what Jesus is getting at. Like there is this poor person outside of your gates that gets your scraps. And yeah, you were comforted in life just fine. And he was not. And you maybe could have prevented that, but you didn't. And so you're in hell. Totally. It just occurred to me that like if I if I got to say one thing to either of those monsters, like literally the thing that I would say to them is you need to repent. Because that's that's literally what they need to do. 
I know that they're not going to do it, but like, you know, Jesus apparently also ostensibly also said this to people who very clearly needed to repent. So apparently it's worth saying. It's something worth saying because I repent is, 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 has so many religious overtones, but honestly, it's just like repent, repair. You, you were causing harm. Reparate. Like, like you are, you are causing harm and you need to stop doing that. Uh-huh. That is that is a good word. Yeah. So if you were going to cast this mess. Oh, hmm, this is really interesting. So we're casting like Caiaphas, essentially. And yeah. Lazarus. And Lazarus. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let me think about this. Because this is not, this is not one that I really thought. I was like, in my head, I'm like, there's not really character. <laughs> like, there's Abraham. Abraham is a character. Like, that's someone I imagine. Yeah, the, I don't yeah. really reimagine the other guy. Yeah, I guess they are, they do, they're just kind of like blank faces. Like, even in yeah, my mind, they don't bit, have any definition. Bit. They're just kind of there. We don't, we don't have to cast it, I guess, but it just, I, it's interesting to just kind of try to put faces and ideas behind these things. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I do. I think it's really wise. I could see, like, I could definitely see the, 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 the wealthy being played by Forrest Whitaker really well. I feel like he would really like do that role justice. Yeah, I, I could see that. I could see that. It's like you had a real nice life, bud. Yeah, I could do that. I could Sorry. see that. Yeah, <laughs> like this is very like wealthy or um, uh, oh, man, what is his name? It's gonna bother me that I don't remember his name. Uh, Sterling K. Brown. Oh, ooh, as the rich man. Oh, for sure, absolutely. I mean, I. I in my own headcanon, Sterling K. Brown is actually a fine human being. Uh, I don't actually know if he is or not, but I want to imagine <laughs> that he is, you know, but I, I I, think he could also play an asshole king for sure. Ruler or high priest or whatever. Uh, I think for the poor man, I'm going to say Dev Patel. Mm, yeah, he seems cool, too. Wouldn't I don't I don't ha- I don't I don't know. It's just my perception. Yeah, this is all our, just our perceptions of these people. Like they, they, <laughs> they could be knows. awful people. They could be just as bad as as those billionaire dudes. Yeah, uh, we would just we want to be Elon Musk. Oh God, that's funny. Yeah, we want to be. Yeah, so, As- aspirationally. And who Elon. for Abraham for you? Hmm. I feel like we should have like a like a stock Abraham character by now. Yeah. After- dude i feel like that would be that'd be we've had a couple a i'm gonna say larry david okay <laughs> sure i can just, i can, I can a, get with that as a goofy abraham character like i just i get to see him shrugging like sorry i can't can't there's a chasm i can't sorry I'm busy now I'm busy what are you doing we tried we, we tried. did everything we could we did the best we could That is fucking hysterical. Uh, kind of a, this is a, a, a bonkers casting, really, but also it's the I Bible. Feel like they'd, I feel like they'd kill it. Yeah. And the Bible also is a bonkers cast of characters. So for real, it fits for sure. All right. So we've cast it. We've discussed it. If, uh, if you've liked what you've heard, we would love to have you support us on Patreon directly. You will not get ads. Um, so you can be. Uh, anti-capitalist in that way and not get ads, uh, but still get content early as well as some other things uh, that will be coming your way. That's at patreon.com slash go home Bible. If you want to support us that way, 
Uh, if you can't, just send this episode or another episode to a friend of yours. Give us a five-star review on all of the things. Uh, it really helps out the show. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You did it. I did it. <laughs> the saga of me knowing what social medias we are on but to get announcements and whatnot you can also follow me if you're interested in that uh justin d gentry at uh justin d gentry on the twitters uh tori where can they find you at tori glass on twitter too frequently and on instagram i've been posting stuff for my other show white homework just yeah white homework so pretty straightforward that's usually where i am out and about on the internet if i wish to be found all righty so thank you all for listening this week uh have a have a wonderful uh, week that you have and uh yeah we'll see you next time all right bye